Welcome, everyone, to a special bonus episode of We Universe slash Ultra 64 slash Ultra 64 DD slash whatever the hell we call it when it's a bonus episode. <laughs> slash Untitled Steve and Woody Video Game Project. <laughs> exactly. A, a Guntley Siskowski joint. Yeah. Uh, my name is Steve Guntley. Oh, yes. Hello, I'm Woody Siskowski, Marshmallow Roaster Pro. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's, that, that's the game we played, right? Marshmallow how, Roaster. How did you guys... Uh, how, what score did you get on your marshmallows here? I got a 9.2, and I'm like, I'm not going to beat this. I got a 17.5, and oh. then I made a s'more out of it. So, you know, I'm making... I burnt every single one. <laughs> <laughs> Just burned it. As I do in real life, anytime you put me in front of a roasted marshmallow, I don't want to eat it. I want to burn down Frankenstein's castle with it. <laughs> I am not a very competitive person, but I think that marshmallow roasting is the thing that most inflames my competitive muscles. Okay. Of being like, because I see people sit down and just like recklessly shove that uh, marshmallow in the fire <laughs> and burn it. And they're like, oh yeah, I like it, bird. Just to be clear, nobody likes it, bird. They only it say that because they suck at roasting marshmallows. <laughs> sure. And I'm like, look, it's like a Zen thing. You got to sit down, you got to crouch, you got to get close and like patiently rotate it and it's uh, it's technique yeah, exactly a wow. brilliantly roasted marshmallow is a, is a thing of beauty i really so, and, have I, and to I will say, rub it in my friend's faces not the marshmallow not the marshmallow the hot I worked burning hard marshmallow on it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i really have to say uh this is the last element of this game i thought we'd really zero in in and have really strong opinions I, wait about. what are you talking about i thought that was the whole game didn't we didn't we play marshmallow competition 2021 i think you might have gotten the wrong file that's next week's show okay. next week's show i think you're just a little ahead we you exclusive yes, yes, yeah. marshmallow <laughs> exactly. marshmallow competition 2021 that was their launch game that was that was the problem they were trying to sell the wii u <laughs> on marshmallow roasting competition uh so a little bit of background on what we're doing here today uh we have a patreon patreon.com slash ultra 64 pod and we have a tier on there where our very generous patrons are able to uh join us on an episode for a game of their choice and that's what we're doing today we got a few of these coming for you this month and we're starting off today with a whole episode about the game Outer Wilds. Outer Wilds. And our special guest and patron here is Joshua Weber. Thank you so much for being here, Joshua. We're really happy to have you. No problem. I'm super excited about this game. I was just playing it for 20 or so minutes before we hopped on the that, call. That, that's Obviously, the exact amount of right time to play it. 22 minutes. <laughs> what a coincidence. That's I, I was playing it for about 22 minutes. <laughs> 22 minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, I mean, we're really excited to have you here. Uh, I wanted to ask, why did you choose Outer Wilds as the game of uh, as the game to play today? Um, so I played this maybe a year ago, around November 2020, and it 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 hit hard. I think that this game is very unique. It has a narrative that I don't think can be explored in any other sort of media. Yeah. Um, the way that you make discoveries here, uh, the way that you come to your own conclusions, and, you know, I don't know if we're going to talk about the finale of the game, but the ultimate realization of what the game is about, that's something that I couldn't see happening in books or television. Obviously, they could do something similar, but I think that this is a very unique game. It doesn't rely on violence. It doesn't rely on you know big names it's just a, a very good story yeah. and 
And so I wanted to, I wanted to talk I about would it. like to, I mean, if you're okay with it, I would like to request that we not spoil the finale of the game. Yes, we haven't finished Steve it Steve and I have not finished this game, but are both quite engaged by it and yes. w- would like to see it through. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so if we can somehow yeah, tiptoe can... around that, which I, I think we can. I think that this yeah, game yeah. is encased in enough mysteries that there's plenty to talk about without sort of There's so much to talk it. about. And, yeah, yeah, to go right off the top for our... For anyone listening to this, I think we all recommend you check this game out. Like, yes, yes, and and I, I also think it's best to go in knowing nothing. Yes. I would I would say if you can pause the podcast, go check it out. Yeah, you know, discover a couple of worlds and come at back. at least play a little bit because I think we are going to also be revealing some things that we've discovered as we kind of explore mm-hmm. the universe. And part of the uh, joy of this game is making some of those discoveries for yourself. And that uh, not to say we've definitively definitively discovered everything here. No. But, uh, you know, definitely say that. So pause the podcast, go play at least a couple of 22-minute cycles, and so you'll have an idea of what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, just remember your favorite parody, Canadian parody news program. This hour has 22 minutes um, when you play The Outer Wild. Steve, it, that, yeah. that swooshing sound no, you just heard, okay. that was not the Interceptor Comet going by. That was that, that, was, was, that joke going over Yeah, my that head. was a joke for all the Rick Mercer fans in the audience. So <laughs> All the Mercer heads. Yeah. That's, that's what they're here for. <laughs> Big crossover between Wii U and Mercer. Yeah, right? oh yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. Don't even get started on the Don Cherry fans in our crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is an unofficially Canadian podcast. We're basically yeah. unofficial Canadians <laughs> at this point. We're close enough. You know, you know that uh, alt country record label, secretly Canadian. Sure, we're, we're going to get signed to that. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this game. Outer Wilds was released May twenty eighth, twenty nineteen. Developed by Mobius Digital and published by Annapurna Interactive. Okay, I want to stop you right there. Yeah, because I feel like the re- the the this game's initial claim to fame, at mm-hmm. least for me, until like I actually realized that it was a pretty awesome game on its own, was that it was released around the same time as a game called The Outer Worlds. I had a which whole was day. a higher budget game. So frustrating. Yes, I had a whole bit I was going to do at the <laughs> oh, beginning I'm of sorry. the show where I'm, I'm like, this is a Fallout style game from Obsidian where you explore different planets. <laughs> I pulled the rug these... with my marshmallow roasting. <laughs> my, my blood would have run cold because I had nightmares where you guys uh, you know, played the Outer Worlds instead of the Outer Worlds. I was like, oh no, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> well, and I, I had it in my memory that these two were released like the same month and they're like six months apart, oh, but okay. I think they were both popping up on a lot of like game of the year lists like right next to each other so people are like oh wait so which one am i getting here and i think i actually did buy outer worlds by mistake like i think i was wanting to get (laughs) this one and i eventually got both of them but like yeah i i I, you know and i enjoyed both of the games yeah for for different elements but i mean i do think it's interesting in the sense that the outer worlds in terms of like budget Mm -hmm. was like a bigger more notable game like because it was developed by like the team who had made the 3D Fallout game. Yeah. Obsidian. Yeah, Obsidian. Yeah, exactly. The, the New Vegas folks. And that game has is not old by any means, but has already, I feel like, kind of vanished off of, like, people's memory. The zeitgeist. Yeah, totally. And it's... this one, which is sort of The Outer Wilds, which mm-hmm. is, I don't think, came from a studio that anyone was really particularly aware of. Not particularly. I think has still been capturing people's imaginations. I know this game won a couple Game of the Year awards. It did, yeah. Well, I, and I know that you've been playing Edith Finch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
recently, you know, Annapurna, they, you know, they, they're really good at these narratives. Yeah, I wanted to talk about them a little bit. So, yeah, obviously, Annapurna Interactive is a division of Annapurna Films, which is... Yeah, in, obviously. In, what, now, come on. We they're, all love they're, Annapurna. <laughs> Everyone likes them. Uh, they, they're, they're the company founded by Megan Ellison in 2011, and uh, they made their name with movies like Zero Dark Thirty and Fan- uh, Phantom Thread, Spring Breakers, The Master, Her, Booksmart, Hustlers. They, they had a wow. whole. Those are all good movies. They had a whole string of like big <laughs> hits for a while there. Um, and they've been nominated for a ton of Oscars. And I think when you're talking about kind of the two studios that are defining movies lately, it's like Annapurna, A24. Those are the two A ones that are kind I of. I mean, right that are that are bread. defining like critical success in movies well, and I guess not like actual movies that people see well like, no, right no, no, no. niche niche success, well i think I annapurna and a24 the the cool thing about them is that they are taking niche art house stuff and giving it a big enough platform they're, yeah they're platforming it in a way okay. that people are going to see it no know? i i agree with that but i do think that it's worth like just not to get totally off track but oh, like no. thinking about like the scale of these things like the green knight was like a movie that like had cultural impact and like people were talking about and like did pretty well, but like that movie made like twenty million dollars. Ah, uh, but how much did it cost? That's the thing. Maybe yeah. like, you know, ten. Yeah. And yeah. but then like <laughs> Black Widow, a movie everyone has forgotten about, made like three hundred million dollars. So yeah. it's just it's just a matter of scale here it's in terms it's of true. what movies people are actually seeing. Well, right. yeah, true, definitely true. Um. So, yeah, Annapurna, they, they founded their games division in 2016, and I think they've already distinguished themselves with a lot of cool games. Like, I've, I was looking through their list. I'm like, wow, I've played most of these, and they're all good. Like, uh, yeah, we mentioned What Remains of Edith Finch, uh, Gora Goa, Donut Country, Kentucky Route Zero, Gone mm. Home. Uh, they did a game this year called 12 Minutes that was getting a lot of buzz. I haven't played that one yet, but... Uh, and in 2022, they've got a game called Stray, which is a very anticipated indie game where you play as a cute little kitten, like roaming around the streets. Mm. Ooh, I'll check that yeah, out. Yeah. All right, so this game started life as the final thesis project for a game designer named Alex Meacham, who is going to USC for their game design program. Uh, he was heavily inspired by Zelda games, uh, specifically Wind Waker, because he liked the way that all the NPCs in that game had stories they, they all had their own little adventures going on, and they were all talking about some mystical thing off in the big ocean, and then you have to go out and find it. Like, you know, it's not even a mission quest. It's just like, oh, yeah, did you hear that thing about this thing? It's oh, all the, sure. the rumor mill kind of thing. Yeah. You know? I, right. I'm glad that, like, to hear that he was inspired by Zelda. Yeah. Even though I am surprised to hear, like, the Wind Waker is the... I mean, maybe he's younger I mean, than Majora's us, Mask like, is also a big pull here, well, right? Here, it must, must be. The one that most strikes me as, like, the influence of this game is the original Legend of Zelda. Like, oh, more yeah. than almost any game, like, any modern game, like... This really feels like it just throws you in there to explore in the way that, like, the the original Zelda tells you nothing. Yeah. Like, you just start, you start in the yeah. middle of this open landscape, and there's a cave there. Yeah. But you don't even know that you have to go in the cave. Right, right, And right. then you're, you could just start walking around, and then the guy, like, you go in, and he's like, take this sword. And you're like, okay. Yeah. But then from that point on, it's literally like... All right, you don't know what you're doing or why. Just start walking around until you get to a spooky tree to walk into. That is one of my it's, favorite gaming moments: is when you go into the cave and the old man says, "Take the sword," and you're like, "Okay." That's the famous yeah. quote, right? It's, it's, a, quote. it's a very memeable moment. It is. Everyone shows. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Link's famous catchphrase. <laughs> Excuse me, princess, and okay. Okay. <laughs> Boy, imagine how irritating it would be if you played. Uh, 
like Ocarina of Time or whatever. With and Navi. every time you got like a heart container, it was like, okay. <laughs> and then okay. Navi's like, hey. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so in 2012, uh, Alex Meacham hired some of his classmates to help him develop a demo. And it found an unexpected benefactor with uh, Masi Oka. Uh, you might know that name because he was a hero on the show Heroes for uh, several oh, years. Really? Uh, he's he was kind of the breakout character of that first season of Heroes, which is the only one I think anyone has ever watched. I <laughs> yeah. believe. I think it's a, it's yep. like a twelve season show that no one's watched more than four episodes of. Um, but he was kind of the breakout character, and he's an interesting guy because he was a. Uh, he was a child prodigy in real life. Like he was on the cover of Time magazine when he was like ten years old for for graduating college or something crazy. And he's also like a, a hey, game developer. Hey, how come we're not on the cover of Time magazine? Oh, we graduated uh, college. We have. I know. We're the only ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Besides us and Masioka, but uh, yeah. So he he started his own game des design studio called Mobius Designs, and uh, Oka he recruited the entire team to Mobius, and by 2014. Outer Wilds became the first ever game to get funded through a new crowdsourcing site called Fig, which I think we've encountered a few times on this show. Uh, I forget what else. There's something like uh, like Paul Newt, like salad dressing. Yeah, uh -huh. like yeah. pasta sauces. Right, sure. Newtons, Me like. Mediterranean <laughs> salads. Yeah. yeah, yeah, general things like that. D Jesus had some <laughs> words about figs. I remember. I, th I think he had some. <laughs> he <did. laughs> that's that's the whole back half of the Bible, right? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's <laughs> Jesus's unending screed on. Uh, on figs. Yeah. We turn them. now to figs 31. <laughs> we forget about that. Yeah. Dude yeah, hated figs. Did. Yeah, he hated figs. Just, just, just as when Bob Bob Dylan went through his revival phase, Jesus went through his, his fig phase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yes, uh, in, uh, the, an alpha version of the game was made available in 2015, and that got the attention of Annapurna, who officially bought the publishing rights to this game in 2018. And they helped give it like a much bigger platform uh, because when it was released in 2019, it was, I think, exclusive to Game Pass when it came out. And also the, um, no, it was exclusive to the Epic Game Store for the first couple uh, of weeks. Okay. And right. then it was, that, that's where I got And then it was it. on Game Pass. Like, I think it was, it launched on Game Pass. Um, and oh, if you cool. wanted to get it on PlayStation 4, like I did, like a jump, you had to pay for it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was a huge critical and commercial hit. It made a ton of best of lists. Polygon even called it the 25th best game of the decade, which is uh, pretty high praise. Yeah, and like we mentioned, it did have the misfortune of sharing a, a similar release window with The Outer Worlds. Um, and there was some DLC for this game. Uh, came out earlier this year called Echoes of the Eye. Uh, and oh. that game adds a new planet-sized ship with its own race of aliens and a whole bunch of other unique stuff I, to discover. I'll, I'll talk yeah. a little bit about that. Again, spoiler-free, but it takes the game in a, in a whole different direction that's... Uh, terrifying Ooh. my un i had forgotten that there was dlc um because but I, I i my understanding of it is like the dlc itself is almost hidden in the game the game like oh just like sort bloodborne of, style well just kind way. of like getting to the spot where like the the dlc opens up and you're learning what that story yeah. is about isn't oh. immediately apparent from the start like it fits in very well with the aesthetic of the game yeah but and right, it's it, it's 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 whole thing. Again, I can talk about it a little bit. No yeah. spoilers, but just finding where to access the DLC is a whole nother puzzle. Oh, wow. yeah. That it just introduces new mechanics. Introduce like the same stuff that's been doing the entire game. I didn't know how they would add to it. I was like, "You've completed it. You've completed the game. This is perfect." And they did yeah. it. They made you know introducing it. It's like it, they didn't just put another planet in the sky. 
It's it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, so there's a very loose outline of a plot here. Um, so you play. Well, well I mean, it's before, not even that loose. Uh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I want to I want to yeah. talk about this real quick. Yeah, yeah. I think it's worth talking about what this game's actual experience is before it review. You we talk about that's the a plot, good. That's a good because point. that's going to mimic mm-hmm. your experience of playing this game. It's right. not like there's some long cutscene at the beginning that's like. The pl- the solar system is doomed. Right for right. eighteen years, you know, <laughs> it, you've been caught in this time loop. Or, you or are like, the chosen one. Yeah, exactly. You literally just take wait. this sword. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so your first instruction is just press X to wake up. Yeah. And your eyes open. You're looking up at the sky, and um, you realize There's an explosion in front of like a big planet yep. off in the distance. Yeah. And then you realize you're sort of sitting around a fireplace, and obviously the first thing you do is you go roast a marshmallow. It was literally the first thing I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you oh, can yeah. walk up to the fireplace and press X to roast a marshmallow or to rest and pass some time. And then eventually, I don't think, okay, I'm not going to get hung up on this, but like the marshmallow roasting mechanics in this game <laughs> are like not very fleshed out. Um, well, you kind of can just. Hold... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ding it for that. Well, I'm not saying I'm dinging it. I'm just saying if they're putting it in, I want it to be like some mini game because all you can do is push your stick forward. Um, but you, as soon as you lower it into the fire, like your marshmallow just catches on fire. There's no it emulates. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't give you an done. opportunity to kind of. I want a control where you can twist the stick. Okay. I want like okay. a, like a gyroscopic control, like those old Atari paddle controllers where you can twist. You it. want brown on one side, white on the yeah. other side, and you have it, to kind of evenly coat the exactly. marshmallow. Exactly. I, I just realized I, this is the absolute perfect application of the Fairchild Channel. Yeah, controller. Exactly. This is the one. This is the one it works for. Um, so I guess I. I'm saying I know how they can throw in when they do their inevitable second bout of DLC. Sure. Is uh, they you just go to a planet where the, the industry is like finely roasted marshmallows. <laughs> oh, yeah. Build from there. Anyway, so you talk to your friend who's sitting uh, sitting on this log. And how would you describe this sort of race of race of people? Of well, aliens? yeah, they're, they're kind of just like generic, like little green men almost like almost elfin. Uh, but. The, they, they all have multiple eyes. I mean, I yeah. guess we have multiple eyes, but more well, than yeah. two. <laughs> more just than to two. be clear, the, 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 there's actually they have four eyes, and there's a there's a story driven reason. Oh, for no. that, oh wow! That I can get to yeah. when we get to a to one of the. It, you'll never find it in the game. It's just explained in one of the interviews. But when we get to the quantum mechanics, I'll, okay. I'll explain. A but little I mean, bit about the that. the cool thing, the really like noteworthy thing about the the style of this game is that it's it's like bucolic it's it's backwoods like camping banjo yeah that was the other thing i knew about this game is that it gratuitously featured lots of banjo which is something i them i can get behind i love the score here so much it's just that simple little banjo riff that brings you into the game is uh it's an instant earworm but it's an incredibly pleasant earworm Mm -hmm. like i'll play that in my head and then you know they add more instruments to the uh composition as you go throughout the game and it actually plays into the gameplay. Yes. You know, you're searching for these instruments and you can hear each individual part there. Yeah, cool. so cool. So, so cool. Right when you wake up, there's this big sort of elevator lift next to you, um, but you can't access it yet. And so you talk to your friend and he's like, you need to get the launch code. You're going out into space today. You need to get the launch codes. Yeah. Um, and so you have to walk through this, this town mm-hmm. where you live and everyone knows you. Your character, I believe, 
remains sort of unnamed. Yeah, you don't ever get a name. Yeah, you're just the yeah, pilot. Yeah, exactly. And it's but it, the game doesn't tell you why you're going into space. No, but you oh, get yeah. the sense that this is kind of a rustic society that has just started taking its first tentative steps into space. But like they've sent people into space before. People have like, been into space before. You're not the very first one going out, but they're kind of still also, figuring it out. Yeah. They have marshmallow canneries, which I feel like needs a lot of infrastructure to get to marshmallows and canneries. Yes, I feel like there's a lot true. of technology that goes into both of those. I'm imagining they... like cracking open a can and just a full marshmallow slides out. <laughs> just a big wet lump of can-shaped marshmallow. Uh, Slaps to the just, ground. Oh boy, Thanksgiving dinner, everybody. <laughs> oh man. Um, so the nice thing about walking around this town is it sort of, aside from just meeting people and getting a general sense of the aesthetic and flavor here, it the, gives you a lot of little tutorials that are built into the game. Yeah. Like the first gentleman that you talk to, or I guess all these people are non-gendered. No, which yeah, Which is yeah. kind of cool, too. Like, they all specifically use yeah, they th pronoun. This race yeah. is non, no yeah. gendered. Um, which is very neat. And so the first uh, person, I say person, I don't, I don't know the race, but... Yeah. Um, it is like, hey, you're flying into space today. Do you want to fly around my little prototype ship to practice? Right. And then so you say, sure. And that's when like the kind of this game is built on, I would say, like four basic mechanics. Kind of. And um, this is the first one you're introduced to, which is basically Lunar Lander. Yeah. Yeah. A little um, bit. Where you can press R to fire like bottom jets that make you go up. L fires jets that make you go down. And then you can use the control pad to steer your ship. Um, and it gets more complicated. You can add some like pitch and roll to your to your spins, and you have to. And there's an autopilot once you're out in outer right. space. And obviously, and it's not it's not as easy as Lunar Lander in the sense that there's like each of the planets have different gravity, and you if you get too close to the sun, you can get pulled into orbit around right. like the bigger planets, and I've then it can be times. very frustrating to try and land. <laughs> um, so another unlock some unique dialogue. If oh, you know. oh, really? Oh, nice. Yeah, if you if you talk to the the guy roasting marshmallows at the start, you can tell him, "Hey, why does this fly into the sun?" He's like, "You didn't fly into the sun." It's like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, like so, some of the ways that you die unlike unlocks um, unique conversations with that guy, and he just thinks, you're yeah, crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so it, that's the important thing is when your character gets to the observatory to get the mm -hmm. launch codes, you encounter this statue that belongs to this alien species called the Nomai, who are like. I think they kind of provide the basis of your uh, or your uh, civilization on this asteroid, um, and they're also just kind of you are the Harthians. Okay, by oh, the Har Harthians and Nomai. That's right. Yeah, you're you're on the uh, planet of Timber Hearth, and uh, so you this this statue kind of makes eye contact with you, and you like join spirits with it. And, uh, yeah, and then you take off on your journey. And then hijinks and then ensue. You're like, oh, boy, okay. that's weird. There's nothing to read about that. <laughs> like, I think I'm just done. Yeah, let's so, go into space. What I want to talk about here um, is I feel like the idea of outer space in media has usually two basic sort of aesthetics. Yeah. And I feel like one is more commonly used and one I vastly prefer. So... I think that we've gotten set up with kind of the star, I guess most commonly is the Star Wars or Star Trek aesthetic, where you go out into space and the sort of the focal point is interacting with these sort of different civilized worlds and seeing like right. how these worlds have been set up. Often there's conflict or war, things like that. But the idea is like space has been colonized. Yes. And you're just kind of going, mm -hmm. from, like Mass Effect is kind of this vibe too. Sure. Um, 
and then less common, but or outer outer yeah. worlds would yeah, happen. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, less common, but to me more emotionally resonant is the idea of like space as this giant unknowable mystery. It's, where, it feels untamable in yes. the way that Mass Effect feels like the universe has been reined in. Yeah, yeah. where you're going, like this is, I mean, the most obvious example is maybe like 2001 Space Odyssey, sure. but like Solaris, Ad Astra. Um, this is more common, I think, in PC video gaming than uh, console games. Yeah. Because um, I, I do feel like Star Control 2 is sort of, I think, the the gold standard of that type of vibe of just like getting sent out into the world and sort of feeling like right. I, I don't know what I'm going to encounter out here but this game just totally nails that like yeah. you're, you, the environment the solar system that you fly out to is not big no, like, no, it, no, no, it no. is unbelievably no. small for a game that came out in you know 2017 2019 yeah. or um, Breath of the Wild's Hyrule Field is larger than the entirety of space. Yes. Oh, see, I believe it. I mean, what is it? It's it's maybe half a dozen different planets. And like yeah, lots it's of... about the same amount of planets. It's like our, probably comparable size to our solar system. Yeah. And you can fly from one end to the other in two or three yes. minutes. Yeah, exactly. So what that essentially means is that any planet is open to you right from the beginning. Um, but... Each of these planets, there's just this feeling of, I don't know what I'm going to find here. Yeah. None of these planets is colonized um, in any sort of meaningful way. Like, as you go to them, you do meet some different people from your uh, from your home planet that have been sent out into space before you. Mm. And that's what you were talking about, Joshua. You get this uh, sort of microphone, high-powered like receiver that you right. can point to these different planets. and. It, it seems like a recurring thing is every one that has been sent out plays a different instrument. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Which is very cute, which means... Required for the space yeah, program. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, you have to be able to play an instrument. <laughs> I'd this, be screwed. The Timberhearth space program is well known for its <laughs> jug band. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> they, they're like... They, they director, did the whole... of, uh, director of NASA, Emmett Otter. Yeah, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, T-Bone Burnett was, was the leader of their space program. Yeah. Um, and so what that means is you can kind of just point your high-powered microphone at any of these planets, and you might hear, like, harmonica music or whistling or banjo coming from there. Yeah. And it tells you how far away it is, and then you know, okay, I can go here and, you know, maybe find something interesting. And really, like, that is it. Like, once you've gone through this little tutorial, gone through the observatory and launched into space, the game is just totally open to you. And but there is one important restriction right. that keeps coming around. The and game does not tell you this. Does not tell you this. And it's uh, if you don't know what you're getting into, it's pretty terrifying the first time it happens. But uh, before before we mention this, I just want to talk about uh, my brother's experience specifically oh, yeah. with this please, game. Please. He would fly into the sun. I think his first round, he, fly, he flew into the sun at around 20 minutes, died. <laughs> His second run, he cracked his helmet, died around 18 mm. minutes. His third run, he had no idea. When he was respawning, he had no idea that it meant to. He's like, yeah, it's a game. I'm just respawning. <laughs> right. And so you can go a couple of hours in the game without realizing the game's main like mechanic. Yeah, no, it's entirely possible. And I, I had the same experience a lot where I died uh, a lot just due to uh, being an incompetent pilot. But. Sure. <laughs> um, I crashed on my own home planet a few times. 
Uh, <laughs> but yeah, every after about 22 minutes, the sun goes supernova and it kills everything in your solar system. Uh, but the weird thing is you wake up back in Timber Hearth at the beginning of the game. You see like a little kind of slideshow of like going backwards of everything that you've encountered in this run. And then you just wake up back on uh, Timber Hearth and you have the launch code. So you don't need to go through the whole observatory thing again and again. But it turns out you've fused with that statue, that weird Nomai statue. And so like you'll you'll find the reasons for why you're kind of living like this. But you are essentially stuck in this 22 minute time loop forever. And dying kind of resets the time loop like it brings you back every time. And it's very, like, I mean, it's just, everything in this game is done in, like, a subtle way. It's not like, even even the idea of the sun going supernova, like, the game does not bring that much attention to it. For, like, no. the universe ending. Like If, you're, if just, you're watching it closely, you'll notice the sun goes from, like, yellow to a dark red to blue. But, like, you're, and, you're not watching it most right. of the time. Have, have you looked at the stars kind of in the, in the firmament outside? No. You will see... Check yeah. this out next time. Look at the stars. As the the time progresses, you will see other little star systems start oh. to explode. And the stars will start going out Whoa. around you. Like you so at at that end of the twenty two minute mark, if you look around, there's significantly less stars around you and you can see kind of where the explosions are disappearing. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of lines of dialogue you can talk to one of the pilots about this. But like you look around and so there's a couple of indicators on on how much time you have left there's the sun you can see kind of the uh, the stars around you exploding but again like you said very subtle it's not just going to throw right. this it doesn't right. like trigger a cutscene where it like shows the sun going super like if no. you're just dicking around like underwater on a planet or something you'll just the screen will go white and you'll just die and you're like well, what the hell killed me yeah um and <laughs> i mean that is really kind of telling of this game in general which is that you are really on on your own and you're really mm. it's up to you to kind of explore and i think this is a like this game does a lot of stuff well but i think the reason that this game is so brilliant is it essentially combines a thing that video games can be very good at but that i don't like which is when you go out and you have to sort of explore and find your own sort of fun and story. But it combines... Right. I, like, a lot of very smart games have done that, but I am not a person with a long enough attention span to sort of appreciate that and be get very engaged by those type of games. Sure. But what this game does is it essentially combines that with an actual, like, driven narrative but since the game is still wide open, it's like somehow it manages to thread both needles at the same time because well, you're yeah. o only playing in 22 minutes. You feel like you can set a goal for yourself for that amount of time. You're right. like, okay. Right. I'm going to explore this planet. I'm going to go check out this. I need to. Yeah. There, there's little goals that are easily achievable in 22 minutes that you can set. Yeah, exactly. A game And the game does a great job like. Um, so your basic, yeah, I mean, your basic mechanic is land on a planet. Hopefully you don't land so hard that, you know, you smash your ship or something. <laughs> and then you go suit up 
um, you have this handy suit that has like then, then the game essentially becomes jetpack. Yeah. Um, 3D version of jetpack <laughs> where you have this little suit that controls pretty similar to your ship. It does. But like the jet power is not nearly as high, so you can find yourself sort of careening off or getting out of control. Right, and much more limited fuel. Yeah. You have a couple of disadvantages just being in. The yeah, suit. you have to monitor your fuel, your oxygen, and the integrity of your suit. And also you have to contend with different gravitational pulls on different planets. Yeah. So if you're on like Giants Deep, it's like two times gravity and you're not going to get very far in your jetpack. In other places, if you jetpack too much, you're going out into orbit. You're yeah. going to go into the sun like I definitely didn't do. <laughs> um, uh, but the other feature that your ship has is so whenever you find something, be it like some old log from this Nomi alien race, um, you have like a translator that you can pull out or you find one of your... Um, fellow planet dwellers who can sort of give you information this ships you get this little message that says ships log updated yes and like oh man that's a good ships log that's a good ships because log. It's, it's great because this is kind of a way <laughs> the game gives you structure here like if you really crave having that structure but it's still not going to be super handholdy it's laid out as a series of rumors, you know, things that you've heard. It'll tell you on the map, oh, are there more things to explore here or not? But otherwise, like, you're kind of like, left to your own. Like Charlie Day and his, you know, his <laughs> yeah. whiteboard with the all the strings attached to all the <laughs> yeah, different exactly. post-it notes. That's essentially what you have yeah, yeah. in your spaceship. And this is very useful. I, I, I think I, I'd need to look into this, but I heard that originally you ha- they you heard a, you heard a that. rumor that originally <laughs> I heard a rumor. Yeah. There's more to discover here. Um, I heard a rumor uh, that originally all of your progress was going to be tracked by talking to those explorers instead of the ship log, mm. and that's kind of where you would tell them information, or like when you had unlocked bits of information, they would be able to relay it back to you, or you would talk to them. I, I am happy that they went with the condensed, um, that's, you know, in a ship log, I can look at it every That's time. a way better way to do it. I mean, talking to the other people and, like, sharing your information is still a mechanic here. Like, I've I right. found people, and they were curious to know, like, what I'd found out. But, uh, you know, uh, the other me- mechanic here is your uh, scout launcher, which is uh, useful in a couple of different ways because it's, like, you can send this little scout out into space and then constantly click the R1 button to take photos as you go or you can mount it in a specific place. It can be used as a light source and a couple things. It also identifies... It has a photo mode. It has a photo mode, yeah. It identifies, like, there's this sort of ethereal force, which I'm sure I'll learn more about, called ghost matter. Yes. You can't see with your naked eye. That's crucial. But as you walk through it, it will just kill you very quickly. Like, um, and so if you shoot your scout up ahead, it will identify where ghost matter actually is. And you're like, oh, I need to take another, another route. And there are really cool puzzles I, later, like quantum shifting puzzles where you need to be observing something at all times or it'll disappear. So you oh, set up wow. like the scout and constantly take photos of it. So it won't vanish on you by the time you get there. Like really clever uses of stuff like that. What were you going to say, Joshua? Um, well, first of all, talking about ghost matter, I love that. In the introduction, the way that you first find ghost matter is there's just a kid throwing rocks into the ghost matter. Like, they have it fenced off in a little area, and there's, like, a little 9- or 10-year-old that's just like, look, this could kill me instantly. <laughs> He's just kind of, like, chucking rocks at it from, a you know, a foot or two away. <laughs> what I really appreciate, like, another thing I appreciate about the ship's log, aside from, you know, keeping track of all this information for you... Because, um, yeah, this just this reminds me in a lot of ways of just like an old because an old adventure game in the sense that like one thing that games really has 
been consistent as games have aged is they have become much they've done a much better job of trying to show you move the narrative forward and prevent you from getting stuck which is i think a net very good thing but also right. does lose some of that sense of let me explore this for myself let me go on my own pace and the ship sort of keeps that of telling you where you can go and explore new things but not just forcing you there yeah and what i appreciate about the log too is it essentially translates this sort of flavorful dialogue that you see out in the game. Like, at one point, you have to find the eye of the universe, and it ta- you find, like, this, this place that shoots out probes and tells you coordinates. Yeah. But it's, like, in a confusing, like... You, you, you read it, and you're like, okay, this is cool and flavorful, but I'm not quite clear what it's actually telling yeah, me. Sure. Science-y jargon. Yeah, science-y jargon. You know, totally. A lot of big words. And, but then when it's actually in the ship's log, your character has kind of shorthanded it to be like, these probes sent out to the eye of the universe, and now I know the coordinates for it. Yeah. And then like you're like, oh, I get what I'm supposed to do now. So mm-hmm. it, it does a good job of keeping the flavor and jargon of feeling like you're in the world but then making it clear how to use that. Well, I just love how the the theme and motif of the game is basically just knowledge is a good thing. Exploration is a good thing. And this game can be scary at times. Like, it really can. You can get yourself in situations yes. where you will die abruptly. Like, does, uh, <laughs> sail into the dark bramble uh, at some point if you want to get uh, really freaked out by a couple things. There's, I landed on this this interloper comet that just flies through, through the universe at high speeds. Right. And I just, I got out, I walked around a little bit, and then I'm like, okay, I better go back to my ship. I'm running out of oxygen. And my ship had just been thrown into orbit yep. and was just, like, trailing around <laughs> the sun. And I'm like, oh, uh, I guess I'm going to end this run. Or I'll, you just kind of, at some point, what's fun about the fact that you're in this time loop and you always will know that you'll reset and get it back right to where you were very quickly mm-hmm. is sometimes you will just sacrifice yourself to go deeper into the world to be yeah. like, I, I think I have enough fuel to explore the rest of this planet, but I won't be able to get back to my ship. But you're like, that's right. okay. Yeah. I don't no, need to get back to my ship because you... <laughs> You keep the knowledge that you have. Yeah, it's live, die, repeat rules. You know, yeah. it's like mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna get better each time. Like, and sometimes you just gotta tap out. Yeah. And so, and uh, uh, well, oh, continue. Oh, Sorry. No, I want you to speak first because then I have a question for you. Oh, uh, yeah. I was just gonna say another useful thing about the log, just so that you're never really lost, um, is that it will have, like you said, not spoiler, not you know, pushing you, but it'll just have a little orange tick next to some of these subjects or areas and be like, there's more to explore mm-hmm. here. So you're not left thinking, okay, yeah, I've, I've discovered everything in that little village or that, you know, location. I'm good to go. You can see, oh, okay, there's something I missed. I know that in this 22 minute cycle, I'm going to go back there and look for whatever I'm yeah. missing. Yeah, no, it's great. And it keeps you on track. Like if you need to feel like you're, you're on track with something, but also sometimes it's just fun to just tear out into the universe and just see what happens. Like, I wound up chasing a satellite for a while. Like, there was nothing on it. Yeah. I just was chasing it. I saw something moving, and I followed it for a <laughs> while. I did want to comment a little bit, too, about the the shuttle controls because they they feel – I mean, they've got some kind of realistic physics to them, so you need to be very cautious about mm-hmm. your speed and about your angle of entry and things like that. And it takes some getting used to. Um, sometimes it feels like there are so many button controls, but it's also kind of like working a console on one of these, like, well, spaceships. It's just you know? the confusing interaction between 
when do I want to steer my ship forward? Like if I've rolled in some kind of weird direction. Yeah, what is like, forward? What is yeah, forward yeah. versus what is up <laughs> with the boosters? Right, yeah, yeah. Right. And, and, but you do get a real sense of accomplishment as you go through the game because you get better and you, you, you're eventually going to be threading your ship through some pretty complicated little routes and paths and looking for all kinds of different things, you know? Like... Uh, same with the jetpack too. There's there's a couple of uh, I don't know if you guys have met those dastardly cacti yes. um, on one of those planets, but there's a couple of you know. So we say that the the mechanics are simple. There's not a lot of mechanics to this game, but there's still ways to show that you have skill yeah. to learn and improve. Yeah. yeah, and I mean you. This is one of those games. Like I, I imagine if you wanted to just like get to an end screen, like if you just wanted to finish the game, it would probably be pretty quick. You know, you, if you know what you're doing. I can finish the game. Yeah. yeah. Well, very quick. You get an achievement for doing that because it's like, oh, not your first time or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, that's... Yeah, yeah, like now now that I've played it, it's hard. That That's another thing. I, I love this game, but I know this mm. game. You know, I, I can never really have the same experience with right. it. Well, that's what I wanted to bring up with you, Joshua, because that's what I think is interesting. I was talking to a friend who also loves this game, um, and I'm like, all right. So how does this game end? And I don't want—I don't mean like from like a plot perspective. I'm like, do, do you find something that somehow changes the structure of the game, or like opens up a new cutscene or a new world, and you're like, oh, now you go to the last world, and it's like, this is what he told me. It's like, no, not really. You just amass enough information to know how to complete the game in 22 minutes. Hmm. And I—I yeah. I, I would agree there there is an end game okay like there is a physical location that you go to that you have not been before and once you get there you are at the end game and the the game can only end from but there. like if like you said if you know what you're doing can you complete this game on the first run like i can complete this game in yeah five okay minutes. yeah wow on the first run i can if and like that's I know the secrets, I know the, you know, codes, I know everything I need to do to get this game. And it's still, there's still some challenge to it. Like, um, especially, you know, you were, you were mentioning, like, there's some danger elements towards the end of the mm -hmm. game. And so, like, it's still challenging. But yes, once you have beaten the game, once you know where to go, you can, you, you can finish the game within five minutes. Something that's really neat is that, there is a slight review um, of what you've learned at the end game. And this differs depending on the knowledge that you've acquired. Oh. For example, you in the game, you will discover what happened to the Nomai. Oh, okay. Like, why, why, why there are skeletons all around. You discover that. So in, in the ending, if you haven't discovered that, um, then you'll come to a little like thing that'll say, yeah, I never figured out how the Nomai died. If you have discovered it, it would be like, okay, this is how the Nomai died. Um, there's an alternate ending. There's there's like a best ending okay. um, that has to do with kind of a harder mission um, in the game that's completely superfluous. Like you don't have to do it to understand what's going on, but you get a special ending for completing uh, pretty much everything, not everything, um, but some of the main points in your logbook. And I would say that the logbook is the main replayability factor mm -hmm. in this would just be trying to 100% that logbook. Right. Because again, you you don't have to do that to finish the game, but that does, like, I, I still have a couple of, 
I, I've done almost everything, I think, but there's like still one or two, you know, there, there's something to explore here that I could go and finish out in that log book. I, I think that it's so cool, like, because when you're sort of in the world of this game, it, it does feel so, even though there's not a ton of planets, it feels so big, and you're like, oh, there's so much information that I need, and to know that sort of the end of this game is like, once you know what, because I can't even conceive like what you just said of like what that secret would be yeah. that allows me to sort right. of crack through in five minutes because it, it all seems so big and intimidating. Yeah. And there's definitely like a weird, th- I'm going to get into a couple criticisms here just because I feel like I've just lavished on praise, which is deserved. But sure. like, I do feel like right, there's sort right. of this weird gray zone in sort of the midst of this game that I think I'm experiencing right now where you're going out and you're finding these facts and information, but they just aren't fitting together in any sort of way. Mm-hmm. And that it feels like it's very yeah. much on me to want to keep pushing through that. Like, and obviously that's going to differ depending on where you get information at any given time and things like that. But I wish, I wish that the pacing at some point gave me a little more of a breadcrumb of like, oh, I see how this fits together um, to keep me playing a little more. because, yeah. Right, because the, the logbook does have those little sections of, you know, there's more to discover mm-hmm. here, but you don't know if that's going to push you forward or if that's, you know, a little bit of flavor right. text. You don't know. Because, like, essentially there's three big truths that I, I can see in yeah. my mind that you need to know to finish the game. Three big locations, three big truths... And so, and and they're kind of, you know how the logbook has bigger pictures and then smaller pictures Mm -hmm. and different colors. And so I would say that the the three big truths are kind of contained within those colors. That's good to know. And so like, if you can branch out on a certain color, like there's one color that deals entirely with quantum stuff. There's one color that deals entirely with a big project that the Nomai were Mm -hmm. working on. One that deals with the origin of the Nomai. And so like, these, you know, these kind of hub topics that branch out, spoke out, um, if you can figure out about that hub topic, those are some of the keys that you need for the end okay. game. Yeah, that, though, that's good. And because I feel like without, because that's the joy of this game is finding something new and making these connections. Because I think without that, I don't think this game is like tremendously fun to play. Like the act, like the physics work well and like it's kind of fun to like, go around in your jetpack, but mm-hmm. like nothing all that exciting like occur it's not, well, you have to buy in you yeah have to, right. you, you have, have to, to you, have, you have to give yourself over to it like i think once you right from a gameplay perspective it's very simple yeah. yeah it's not thrilling from a gameplay perspective but once you like you know descend into like a storm cloud and find like a hidden city that you had no idea mm-hmm. was on this planet like that's where the thrill of it comes from and like uh, and the the cool thing about using bits of information as kind of your your motivating factor these are your these are your superstars these are your jiggies you know you're just looking yeah. for information on a society you're looking to learn more and i think once you get into that spirit of it it's like it, it's incredible the the exploration feels unbelievably satisfying and like i had so many like jaw dropping like wow moments in this like you know, seeing an island get picked up out of the water by a, uh, a fucking uh, whirlpool, which then promptly falls on me and kills me. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's cool. it's all this insane stuff. And 
this is kind of what we're talking about when we say play this game. You know, play this game before you look up anything about it. Because, again, you can only experience moments like that yeah. once. Yeah, no, it's true. You know, these discoveries to know, to find a, a city, to land on the interloper and find some stuff. You know, there's you can only experience these the first time the first right. time. And, what, and so, What's yeah. cool is because the only thing that you're trying to achieve and find in this game is knowledge. It's essentially encouraging you to experiment. Like other games, you know, there's always a risk um, to die. A punishment. punishment to dying. Like if you go out into like cross a bridge in Dragon Warrior that is farther than your equipment, you're like, oh, I know not to cross that, but now I've lost half my gold. Yeah. And here you're like, there's a bridge over there. I'm just going to walk over because even if something there kills me, I will either know there's nothing over there, mm-hmm. there is something over there that I should go explore again, or I have found something that then I can add to my log. Yeah. And so then even if you die, right. everything is so close together that you're like, well, I have still accomplished my goal. And well, and that's the cool thing, too. It's not like this is a game like where you're going out and finding new items that you need to use to access new areas. It's just your... Sadly, no hookshot. No hookshot, <laughs> which is a bummer, which is a bummer. That, that would actually make the space exploration part really fun. But uh, but also no mirror shield. Yeah, that's so. also true. Yeah, or the heavy boots, you know, all, all, the, all the hits. Right, exactly. So. Uh, but, like, you know, the... the finding out these little bits of information you just have to like you know if there's an area that's inaccessible it's just because you haven't learned the trick to getting through it not that you need to get a new like plasma cannon or something you just need to find the person who knows how to get through that and then talk to them that's actually on topic with something because steve and i were talking about this game like a little bit before we started i'm like oh i'm like how far did you get did you get into this sort of electric barrier city mm-hmm. and he's like no i couldn't figure out how to do that and i'm like well i just looked up a walkthrough and it <laughs> told me how to do it and i'm like i never would have figured that out but then it occurred to me like steve's like yeah they gave me hints of how to do it and it's like yeah you guess you never would have figured it out on your own but of course they gave you hints on how to do it like that never even occurred to me that the game would give me hints mm-hmm. which is me being impatient and <laughs> like and i i had to do that I think twice in the game. What one? I think I did it for the exact same um, situation yeah. that you're talking about, kind of crossing through electric barriers, because I, I had gotten those hints and I just couldn't execute it properly because it didn't tell me okay. exactly how yeah. to do it. And that that could be on you know that's on my shoulders. Right. Um, and then one towards the end game, I, I knew what I had to do. I just wanted to clarify, you know, the the specifics of it. I guess it surprised me in the sense that like it was the first time that I had encountered a puzzle in this game like this and there game, are there are like actual puzzle puzzles. right yeah, yeah. but i didn't i didn't realize that so i wasn't prepared yeah for like a sort of because usually you just kind of go and move these sort of ancient alien balls around yeah to, like, unleash this <laughs> open these mechanisms um that that's also something i wanted to talk ancient about alien no, my balls. very advanced race <laughs> yes. yeah yeah ancient alien balls favorite topic of <laughs> um the nomite you know uh, a very advanced race you can see their technology came a little bit further than the harthians they never discovered buttons right or levers or sweet switches they they lived their entire lives thinking that the ball and socket method of turning something on 
was the best method. And I, I think that's like, you could have just had a it's, it's like the stocking stuffer maze technology is kind of as far as they got. Yeah. Like, we need to rotate this door until this ball falls in this hole. Like They, they played Labyrinth, you know, on the on their iPhones a couple of times. They're like, this is how the world should work. We shall base our technology around Super Monkey Ball. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, um, this, this is the last sort of criticism I'm going to, this is not even a criticism, but this is just, I think, a sign, kind of a bummer that this game I'm sure, has a limited budget. And mm. of course that's expected because it is an independent game. But I feel like this game would be so awesome at like a huge budget production value because I do feel like these planets all have a different aesthetic. Like the comet is full of ice, the moon right. just looks like a moon. But some of they just, I wish they were a little more exciting to walk around in like there's a lot of just kind of exploring sand or exploring yeah. rock and i i guess i want a little more colorful differentiation but i do feel like it works in this game in the sense that they do feel sort of lonely and desolate i just there are some moments where i'm like oh this could really be punched up with some better production values yeah. Yeah. i i think the dlc takes it in that direction just a little bit you just get a little taste because the dlc is pretty much one big planet it's not a planet it's hard to explain Mm -hmm. but you can see that kind of detail that kind of money thrown all at one specific location very cool they did a very good job well i'll definitely excited to check that yeah i'm very excited about that um, well, I, th- I think we might've covered it pretty well. I mean, like yeah, as much as we can I'm say. I'm sorry we, we have... kind of kneecapped you here, Joshua, about not being able to like, uh, give spoilers, but. It... No, you're fine. It, it, you know, this is a game. I hope that if people listen to this again, hearty recommendations yeah, all around, if this just gets this game a little more clout, you know, not that it needs it. Um, go play it. Like this has been worth it just to say, guys, it's a good game. Yeah. yeah well, and I no. will say too, like it. it as somebody who's not a smart person or who's not particularly like attracted to like brainy nerd games, um, I think that this game you give wedgies to people who like those. Yeah, games. exactly. You push them up against. Yeah, a I only play Call of Duty. Um, <laughs> the colder the war, the better, as far as I'm concerned. I just, I just want to yell. I want Call of Duty cold. Yeah, I just want to yell at news over the internet. That's, Absolutely, that's all I live for. Yeah. Um, this game scratches that itch of making you feel smart and making you feel one wonder about the world that you're in, but not in a way where you feel like you have to be like, not in like the dwarf fortress way. No, where you're like feeling like, like I need a master's degree in this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it makes it very accessible and achievable. And I do feel like that 22 minute sort of hard reset also really helps with that because yeah. Unlike a lot, a lot of roguelikes I get very addicted to and I want to pl- like I die and then I'm like, I want to play them again right away. Like this game doesn't do that for me, mm-hmm. but I kind of appreciate that. Like I play for 22 minutes and I find something interesting and then I'm, the game stops and I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm good for now. I'm going to gestate on what I found and think about what I'm going to do next time I go play the game. And that, that but, pops into my head, too. That's what I find. I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk away from this for a little bit. And then a few hours later, I'm like, ooh, I wonder what's on that sand mm-hmm. planet. Like, I want to yes. go look at the sand planet. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that fits very well with the aesthetic of the game and makes it, you know, pretty accessible for a game that does ask a lot of the player. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, 
Uh, there yeah, was please. one more thing that I mentioned at the at the top of the hour that I just want to loop back to. Just the 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 design of the characters. Oh, yeah. Again, this is nothing you're going to discover in the game. They have four eyes for those quantum mechanics. Oh, because if you look at people on the planet, you'll see that they they blink their eyes a asynchronous oh. asynchronously. Yeah, yeah. However, you yeah, say yeah. that, and so you you know you have to have the camera to look at. So it's 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 how you explain that your character never blinks. And something quantum goes away. And there's just a lot of details like that. And the tiny little details that aren't even covered in, you know, the game's text itself. That's so cool. But, you know, as you're playing, just keep an eye out for the tiny little details, too. They're really Absolutely. Neat. Oh, that's real. I never would have picked that up. But that's so smart. That's just like a brilliant little detail. Well, Joshua, thank you so, so much for being here and for being such an excellent patron and uh, and supporting our show. Um do you have anything to plug? Anything to tell people about? Anything you like? People besides, to check out? besides the Outer Wilds, <laughs> <laughs> play the Outer Wilds. Um, I'll do some soulless shilling Wait. for you guys. Check out okay. the Patreon. No. I just want to say, um, you know, for five bucks you can get all of the backlog. If I, if yeah, I remember yeah, it that, should right? all be on you, there. Five dollars. Got like a hundred um, episodes now. Yeah. The deep dives, <laughs> the deep dives on Tony Hawk and Metroid, and I mean. They're incredible. I, I love your guys' main show, but I think that I've become more attached to those uh, deep dive episodes. I sure. love those. I mean, th- those talk about games play... people actually like as yeah. opposed to whatever, whatever <laughs> right. DreamWorks as game to... came out on the Wii U. Yeah. Hello Kitty yeah, exactly. Racing, which I was fascinated <laughs> by. Fascinated. But, um, yeah, I think it, it inspired me to go play Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. So I finally finished Super Metroid. Wonderful oh, game. So good. One of yeah. the greats. So... I, I paused the episode when you got to Super Metroid. I was like, no, nope, you got to do it. I paused the episode, went and I beat it, and then I listened Good. to it, and I was like, that was that was yeah. worth it. So I appreciate that, guys. Check out the oh, Patreon. You're it's you're awesome. far too kind. Thank you, thank you so much for being here. Um, so yes, we're we're gonna have a few of these uh, uh, going on throughout uh, the month. So we will three uh, games. Get back I'm to you. three like great. I mean, this this is the chance. That's the other thing about the Patreon. It is really the opportunities for us to like gush about games yeah, in the yeah. way that we don't often do on the main feed where right. we're like <laughs> yeah. um, so. you are constrained by the premise of yes. your show yes. um, and so yeah we have two more like I, I've played one of them and one of them I'm very excited to play I yeah. think they'll both be great yeah this so. month coming out and then we yeah. got a few more coming out in December as well so we've got a whole bunch Holy of great smokes. stuff coming out for you guys um, and so thank you again to Joshua and as always remember this is the game from the makers of Fallout New Vegas. No way. Where, Don't uh, poison the well. No, yeah, but where you 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 explore space. Yes, yeah. No, both this correct. is the game with the... Every, everyone check out Outer yeah. Worlds. Everyone check out this Outer Worlds. This is the game with the, the well, whole podcast. Until if you learn nothing, learn to roast your marshmallows slow <laughs> and easy and be patient. It's about it's about the journey, not the destination of a perfectly toasted marshmallow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you.